And a warm welcome to Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. How are you? It is the 19th of April, 2022. It's the BBG with you till 7 o'clock with two very interesting guests. Thanks for joining me. Comment during the programme at richieallen.co.uk. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, the government wants to fluoridate the nation's water supply. I wrote about this a few weeks ago on richieallen.co.uk. It really does. It wants to take the power away from local authorities the power to decide whether water is fluoridated or not and give that power to the health secretary i'll be joined this hour by joy warren the joint coordinator for the uk freedom from fluoride alliance joy was on this program a couple of times some years ago really interesting lady she has led the way in recent years in this country to raise awareness about this very very serious topic so joy warren this hour Later on in the programme, the journalist and filmmaker Mariam Hanane returns to the programme. We'll be talking about transhumanism and the Covid jabs. All the things you need to know about the Covid jabs because they haven't gone away. Mariam has been writing for Sherry Tenpenny, amongst other websites. Very interestingly, we'll talk to Mariam uh, later on in the programme in the second hour. RichieAllen.co.uk for your comments. I've already mentioned that. And it's lovely to be back. Thank you, thank you. Yes, please, please, calm down at the back. Lovely to be back. I hope you had a lovely Easter holiday. I had a great spring break. We had and a great Easter holiday as well. It's lovely to be back at work now. Enough about that. Enough about that. No need for me to elaborate on that. Now, as I speak to you, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson should be taking to his feet in the House of Commons to give his first statement since he was found to be in breach of the COVID guidelines that he wrote himself, allegedly, by the police. I don't know how much of that is of any interest to you because it's one massive bit of theatrical distraction, isn't it? You know that, I know that. But there might be some funnies in there. Might be a bit of crack in there. It's happening right now. It was due to happen at 4, then at 4.30. But now it's uh, it's dragged on. Things have dragged on. The Home Secretary, Pretty Patel, has been giving... Giving, she's been giving a statement about plans to take asylum seekers who arrive on these shores and send them thousands of miles away to Rwanda to be processed. And if they're allowed, or if they are granted asylum, they would then stay in Rwanda. So it's all been pretty busy in the House of Commons. Again, how much of that is of interest to you? I don't know. Little bit of news out of Ukraine. I'll be talking about Ukraine in more detail tomorrow with uh, Gerardo Colmon, Irish journalist based in Paris. But uh, Russian troops appear to have seized control of the eastern city of Crimea. Okay, this is a new Russian offensive that's been reported last night, this morning, today. The Russians want to take control of the Donbass region. That is the allegation. And pretty heavy battles underway in that part of Ukraine. 
right near the Russian border. Now, according to the governor of the Luhansk region, a guy called Serhai Gaide, I, I probably butchered the pronunciation, but forgive me, I've heard three different news anchors without the W pronounce this guy's name today. They've all said it differently. Sergei or Sergei Gaidai. He's the governor of the Luhansk region and he said that Crimea is under the control of Russia. Russia is, the Russian army has control. He said that Russian forces had attacked the, the city from all sides and that the defenders of the city had to withdraw to entrench themselves elsewhere to position themselves to continue to take the fight to the Russian army. So that's being reported today. Do you know what's going on? I don't. I know I've said this a thousand times in the last 45, 50, 55 days. I don't know what's going on. I know what some of my friends in the independent media believe to be happening, that this is a Russian grievance going back to the end of the Cold War, NATO promising not to move an inch further east, and then, of course, the overthrow of the... Of, of Viktor Yanukovych, the Ukrainian president who was sympathetic to Russia, the overthrow of him in 2014 and the replacement of him with a Western puppet. I know these are historic things that did happen, but how much of those things are relevant to what's going on in Ukraine today, I don't know. Because I've never believed that Vladimir Putin or his government were in any way a genuine opposition to the agenda. That is the agenda you and I talk about and have spoken about for years on this programme. So I'm perplexed as to what's happening. If Putin was genuine, and I don't believe he is, and he wanted or his government wanted to protect eastern Ukraine near the border, if he wanted to solidify there, why didn't they do that from the start? Listen, you tell me, richieallen.co.uk. More on this because it is important. Maybe later on, certainly as the week goes on on this particular radio programme. Now, on the Telegraph website today, Matthew Lynn writing on the website, not in the newspaper. Matthew Lynn has written this. The gas is still flowing through the pipelines across Europe. The oil is still being unloaded at the refineries. And 800 million euro a day is being sent straight to Moscow. Now, Matthew Lynn writing in the Telegraph, he wants Germany to be sanctioned. Would you believe? He wants the country, Germany, Deutschland, to be punished for continuing to buy Russian oil. Now, the Germans are saying, this is the wonderful thing the media does. The Germans, as if it's the entire country. How many people are in Germany. Is it 80 million? Is it 85? Is it 90 million now? I can't remember. But of course we're talking about people who would pretend to be running Germany. The German Chancellor and his government. Buying oil from Russia, uh, gas uh, even, uh, from Russia. Now, the Germans, again, the Germans in capital, sorry, in, in inverted commas, the Germans are debating cutting off the gas and saying maybe we need to stop buying gas from Russia. Maybe we need to wind up sending money to Russia. Maybe we need to get some new alternative supplies to keep our lights switched on, but at the same time, you know, drop the support to Russia. 
I've heard this a few times today, Matthew Lynn writing in the Telegraph, but a number of talking heads on Sky and on the BBC have raised the issue of sanctioning countries which uh, continue or that continue to buy gas from Russia. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yes, very interesting. Indeed. It's eight minutes past the hour. It's Tuesday's programme. I will be reaching into your comments as the programme goes on. So what else is new? Is Johnson taken to his feet? Yet he has. Johnson has said, Boris Johnson, that he acknowledges the hurt and the anger caused um, to, to the nation. Now, I don't know about you, but I couldn't give an arse. I couldn't give the left cheek of an arse that Boris Johnson and his pals partied it up at Downing Street with suitcases full of booze bought from the nearest Tesco. Why? Well, because I didn't obey any of his rules. Because I knew they were arbitrary and I knew that we were not in the midst of a pandemic or a genuine one, so I didn't obey them. So I don't care what he did. But um, but some people seemingly do. He's taken to his feet this afternoon and he says, quote, not by way of mitigation or excuse, but to explain his words in the House, it didn't occur to him that the gathering in the Cabinet Room on his birthday could be construed as a breach of the rules. That's what he has said. He wants to focus on Ukraine. However much people might want to talk about parties, he's accepted the fine, he's paid it. Let's move on. I'm doing a job for the country in dealing with Ukraine. That's about the size of that. If anything comes out of that, any sound bites of any interest or significance, be sure I'll bring them to you here on the Richie Allen Show. It's live. It's live, so it is. It's Tuesday's programme. This is a, a little bit lighter, but it made me laugh. This is Michael Deacon writing in The Telegraph today in the newspaper. He writes, It isn't enough to remove all memorials to those involved in the slave trade. We must remove all memorials to those related to those involved in the slave trade too. You follow that? It isn't enough to remove memorials to those who had an active part in the slave trade. He says we must remove memorials to their relations as well. And this is because a Labour Council in London wants to consider renaming Gladstone Park, which of course was named in honour of William Gladstone, the 19th century Prime Minister. What do I remember about William Gladstone? Do I have a brain? Have I got any general knowledge? Well, I think he was 82 years old on the fourth occasion he was Prime Minister, if my knowledge of history serves me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Gladstone wasn't a slaver, but his daddy was. So uh, Michael Deacon writes in the Telegraph, the name will have to go. Why is this of interest? Well, it's funny because they asked local school children to help rename the park in the event that it is renamed. I don't believe it will be renamed, but in the event it might be, they said to the school kids, what should we call it? And they got some fantastic names from the children. BAME Park was one. BAME. B-A-M-E. Some child said BAME Park. That's Black, Asian, Minority, Ethnic Park. They were given Multi-Faith Park and they were given Diversity Fields. <laughs> and the, the Blue Ribbon winner 
One of the children suggested the park be named after Diane Abbott, the Labour MP for Hackney North, and a woman who's held various shadow ministerial uh, roles, most recently, of course, under Jeremy Corbyn, when Jeremy led the Labour Party. Diane Abbott Park. And this guy, Michael Curran, or Michael Deacon, excuse me, writing in the Telegraph, goes on to give a number of examples of Diane Abbott's stupidity or instances where she contradicted herself in the past. Um, one particular incident where she criticised her, her, her Blairite colleagues for sending their children to selective schools uh, before sending her own son to a private school. Diane Abbott is exactly 13 minutes past five. Uh, been busy on richieallen.co.uk today, uh, popping articles up there. Back to work now. I've been back since Sunday, but back on air today. Uh, the website will be updated regularly throughout the week, this week, next week, and every other week. A um, couple of interesting things on, on the website today. One of them is this story where Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is the Minister for Government Efficiency, insert your own gag uh, now, if you like, um, he's written to all Secretaries of State, right? So to the Health Secretary, to the Justice Secretary, and he's written to them to tell them, the, the Secretaries of State, to instruct their civil servants to get their lazy arses back into their taxpayer-funded offices. Yes, apparently three-quarters of government staff are still working from home. The working from home, of course, began, didn't it, in March or April of 2020 when the scam kicked off. So Mog wants them back in. And that, that's interesting, that, because most of the legacy media outlets picked up on that story today. And there was a very interesting story on BBC News 24, I'm going to play you a little bit of it, the intro. And this is about testing, you know. This is about testing. Now, you'll know that a few weeks ago, the government ended free testing for the majority of people in the UK or in England. But in the UK, yes, because there's very little that Cranky's government in Scotland or Drakeford's government in Wales can do once the, once, uh, the Westminster-led government said or has said or Jesus Richie once Johnson said free testing is over there wasn't very much Cranky and Drakeford could do because they depend on the funding from central government right so they stopped the free tests these are the free COVID tests which they were giving out for the last year and a half free as many as you wanted to the tune of billions and billions of pounds by the way they stopped them for most people some people can still get them if you're in certain jobs, right, NHS and whatnot, right? So with this call for staff to go back to work, there has been a renewed call by companies and the Chambers of Commerce of the UK to restore the free 
testing. Uh, here's BBC News 24 this afternoon. The British Chambers of Commerce are calling for free or low-cost COVID-19 testing kits to be given to companies to help them cope with the large numbers of staff catching the virus. The business group says as many as three quarters of employers reported workers off sick with coronavirus in the last four weeks. COVID cases peaked last month with about five million people infected at the end of March. But now the onus is on companies themselves to try to keep staff safe. Our consumer affairs correspondent, Coletta Smith, reports from Liverpool. Now, Coletta Smith, who is a BBC reporter, she's gone to a company that makes spices. It's a company, I think, called Spice Box. Uh, I've not re-listened to this. I should have listened to it again. But she's there to talk to them about the challenges of navigating... Right, working hours with staff off sick with COVID and whatnot. It's interesting, listen. Business has been booming here for the last couple of years with these home cooking spice kits taking off. But that means extra pressure for the boss to keep orders flowing while keeping staff safe. So there's 15 of us in total. We've had a number of cases in the warehouse, um, enough for us to, as I said, shut down production for a week or two weeks. Figures from the ONS show that the Omicron peak for factory floor workers was in January, but for office-based staff, the peak's been within recent weeks. I think it's pretty much spot on that data, actually. I think that's what we found. We found that our kind of manual workers in the unit have had it through end of last year or the year before, and then coming up to January, and then we've had instances of the management team getting it very much in the last sort of eight weeks. Yeah, we've got plenty on the table, ready to go. Leslie works in the office upstairs and had COVID herself a couple of weeks ago. As a small business especially, we do have to crack on, you know, and make the make the most of it, make the best of it. We, we, we have kits in the office to test, um, just in case anyone's feeling a bit off colour. We do our best, but you've, you have just got to get on with it. They have testing kits in the office just in case anyone is feeling a bit off colour. On with it. Now that it's up to individual companies to decide what to do about COVID cases, the British Chamber of Commerce are calling for every business to have access to free or cheap lateral flow tests so that they can keep their workforce safe while keeping the workflow moving. Yeah, this is crippling businesses. Do you remember you and I spoke before the spring break? We spoke about the idea that when the free testing ended, there was this idea that the scam itself might end. Well, apparently not, because tests are available for a fiver from pharmacies, from pharmacies. Uh, one major pharmaceutical not far, yeah, company, Boots, let's say Boots, who cares, we'll say Boots, right? It isn't an advertisement. And what's happening is people with seasonal illnesses or seasonal viruses, like you'd expect at this time of year, a little bit of flu, a little bit of a heavy cold, and God knows a heavy cold is no joke, bronchitis and stuff like that. Rather than just dealing with it and getting on with it, many of them are still paying for these tests and taking these tests, which are giving them, not all of them, but many of them, a false positive. It's picking up the virus that's in their system that you'd expect to have at this time of the year, the heavy cold, the head cold, the ears, nose and throat infection. And it's telling them, telling them they have COVID and they are absenting themselves from work. This is crippling people. Businesses. It's crippling businesses. And it might prove to be chaotic this coming winter if they keep the tests at an affordable £5. You know, 
leaving the cost of living crisis to one side, I'm willing to make a bet or a guess that people who want to be off work, right, who who would like a week or so off work when they sneeze or when they have a sore throat, will continue to pay for these things and hope to get the positive, which might be a false positive, which will give them the time off work they desire. I mentioned this on the website today. I ask people regularly, I really do, are you working from home? Would you like to get back to the office? And the answers are yes and no. Yes, I am working from home. And no, I don't want to go back. I've gotten quite used to it. And when it is suggested to such people that it might not be the healthiest thing in the world to be working where you live. And don't call me a hypocrite. I'm a freelance journalist. It's what most freelance journalists have always done. They've worked from an office at home. I'm used to it. It's a bit different. I'm different to most people. I've not worked in an office environment for so long I can't remember it. But when I suggest to people it isn't healthy to be doing what you would have done in the office in your own home, they look at me like I've got 10 heads. So I don't tell them that there is an agenda to keep you trapped in your house working on a screen, ordering what you want on the internet, and increasingly you can get it delivered to your door within hours, if not sooner, from Amazon and other online chains. You just don't tell them. I don't tell them. They're being conditioned into a way of life that will make lockdowns all the easier in the future. I don't tell them because I'm wasting my breath. They look at you like you've lost your marbles kind of a thing. This is not new, new, but it's been reported on again today. We talked about this very briefly. We had a giggle about this a few weeks ago. This app that has been developed in the United States, but there are several of these apps, not just in the United States. Cambridge University scholars or scientists or researchers have have developed an app as well, which will enable the user, and just in case you've been on Planet Zog for the last 25 years, an application is like, is, is like, it's like, I can't even tell you after all of that old jazz. So you download applications to your phone, right? Through application stores or app stores or something like that. You download them and an app is a window onto a website, basically. It's a window onto a website. Where, for example, this week the future Mrs. A is going into town to watch Andre Ryu or Ru or Ryu. He's a Belgian guy with long hair who plays the violin. And to get in, she needs to download the Ticketmaster app, which is just a window to the Ticketmaster website where she'll be able to display her ticket because the tickets are not paper tickets anymore because the world has gone mad. So an application. So an app will be available really soon, or it is it is available. In fact, I've got it on my phone. I'm going to demonstrate it for you now in a moment. And the app enables the bearer to cough. Once you cough, your phone reads your cough, or an artificial intelligence program reads the cough and determines whether or not you have COVID-19. Pfizer has spent £57 million buying a an Australian company which has developed one of these apps. It's called ResApp. 
right? Basically, an algorithm is trained and, and it trained on a database of 6,000 coughs. And it's uh, now able to determine from a cough whether uh, the cough is COVID or something else. That's not a joke. Okay. I've got my phone here. I'm not going to tell you which model it is. I'd be embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed. This, this, is, this is one step up from a Nokia from 1995. Hang on till I tell you. I've got the app open now, the Res app. And we'll give it a bit of a cough there and we'll see whether or not I have COVID or not. Are you ready for this? You are. If you got it yourself, you might try your own app and let me know whether you have the COVID or not. Okay, let's have a go at it then. Let's go. I'm going to cough now. Hang on. I do a practice cough. <coughs> okay. We do another one. Hang on. It takes about two seconds for the app to return. But a positive, yes, you have COVID or or you don't. Let's let's go and let's, let's do this. Okay, ready? <coughs> okay. One, two. You stupid, ignorant, son of a bitch, dumb bastard! Jesus Christ, I've met some dumb bastards in my time, but you outdo them all. I take it I don't have COVID. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from BBG Towers in Salford. It's great to be with you this Tuesday. Coming up in a couple of minutes, Joy Warren will join me. We're going to talk water fluoridation in the UK. That's a very serious issue. Mariam Hanane is on the programme later on too. It's a Thin Lizzy and Dedication, the first tune of the week. The Richie Allen Show, live from BBG Towers, from Salford. Keep the comments coming in, richieallen.co.uk. Thin Lizzy and Dedication on The Richie Allen Show. It's uh, 29 minutes past five, drive time. Welcome to the show. It's um, important stuff, this. Just before we welcome Joy back to this programme, let me read you. This is from the government's website. This is the UK government website, gov.uk. And it's an open consultation on water fluoridation. This was published on the 8th of April uh, this year. So only uh, three weeks ago or less than three weeks ago. It reads, the health and care bill currently going through Parliament sets out some changes to the water fluoridation legislation in England. If it becomes law... The bill will allow the Secretary of State, instead of local authorities, to establish new water fluoridation schemes or to vary or terminate existing water fluoridation schemes in England. In the event the bill is passed, I've skipped on a bit, there will be a legal duty on the Secretary of State to undertake a formal public consultation before introducing any new water fluoridation schemes or before varying or terminating an existing scheme. Okay. Secondary legislation will need to set out the process for consulting and the results from the consultation will inform that. What a fluoridation scheme is. A water fluoridation scheme is where additional fluoride is added to the drinking water supply with the purpose of reducing tooth decay. And it goes on to say there is good scientific evidence that fluoride or fluoride is effective in reducing tooth decay for both adults and children. Research shows there is no convincing evidence of health harms from such schemes. It says the fluoridation of water is supported by the World Health Organization and the Chief Medical Officers for the UK. Now, my guest has for some years led the campaign to raise awareness about the dangers of water fluoridation in the UK. She is the Joint Coordinator 
of the UK Freedom from Fluoride Alliance and coordinates the West Midlands Against Fluoridation Group. It's lovely to welcome back to the programme, Joy Warren. Joy, thanks so much for coming back on. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Richie. Now, this is serious stuff. I wrote about this a few weeks back and I meant to do something about it. And I think I mentioned to you today, I don't know whether it's gotten lost, whether that's a deliberate thing, but there's been no coverage of this. They'll blame Ukraine for it. They'll blame COVID and, uh, you know, news about the Prime Minister breaking COVID rules and all of that. But this is very, very, very serious stuff, this, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, when you say there's been no coverage, we've tried very hard to get national media to accept letters from us uh, in response to pro-fluoridation letters, um, and they just haven't responded. And no. it's very, very disappointing, but we think there's definitely some sort of denotice on the issue uh, from anti-fluoridationists. Now, denotice is just for listeners who might not understand. That is where the media is effectively gagged by the government of the day um, because it's deemed that maybe, maybe if you're right, if they have been gagged, the media, that fluoridation is of vital importance. It's in, it's in the interests of public health and therefore the media shouldn't be speaking to anybody or, or, or platforming anybody who stands against it, such as yourself? I, I see that must be the case. The problem is that um, there are less dentists around at the moment. Some are retiring early, some are retiring anyway, some have become bankrupt. And with 50% of appointments not being available, and with the NHS contract for dentists up in, uh, it's being torn up really, it doesn't seem to have any, any verity, any, any use at all. Um, there's going to be less appointments for any any children who want to go along and see a dentist if they've got to take. Um, and that's one of the reasons, I think, why they want to um, add fluoride to all of England's water, um, because the government can say, well, we, we've tried our best to, to increase the number of dentists, but we can't. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to fluoridate, so therefore that's going to stop the decay. I, I looked it up today, even though you educated me on this about three or so years ago. As it stands, there are fluoridation schemes in Newcastle, Workington, Scunthorpe, Lincoln, Crewe and Birmingham. Am I right? Is is that still the case? Those are the only, It's when I say the only, it's still covering six or seven million people. But those are the, the, the cities or the areas where fluoridation happens right now. Well, roughly right. The whole of West Midlands is fluoridated, not just Birmingham. I live in Coventry. I've been fluoridated since 1979. Uh, when we say Newcastle, then it's also North Tyneside, um, uh, Gateshead, um, parts of uh, County Durham, parts of Northumberland, um, Nantwich and Crewe, West Cumbria, that's the um, sea towns above uh, Sellafield. Um, Bedfordshire, central Bedfordshire is fluoridated um, a few other little places as well and some are fluoridated because that's the way the water runs in the pipes they've never been given a chance to say no, it's just like fluoridated water overspill from the water mains um, that's where Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire and Leicestershire um, and definitely Lincolnshire, North Lincolnshire is definitely fluoridated or deliberately 
So you're talking millions of people. Now, before we're talking talking about six million people, about six million. So I'll I'll ask you in a moment about what do we know about what 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 can be proven about harms from water fluoridation. But before we get into that, how significant is it that the government wants to take the power to launch fluoridation schemes away from local authorities? and give that power to the health secretary. How significant is that for you? Very significant, because once the consultation comes to the end of its three months, the um, everything's collated within the Department of Health and Social Care, and it's really difficult to get them to talk to you. When you have something decided by a local authority, you can go along and you can talk to counsellors. We, we can write to, to the chairman of the health and wellbeing board and they will respond. But it's so difficult to get the government to respond to anything we want them to respond to. So therefore, they can just go into Richmond House, pull up the drawbridge and just get on with it. And as far as we know, even if the results of a consultation is in our favour, um, they will still say, oh, no, it's in our favour. We're going to go ahead. And we can't again say them. We cannot, we cannot find out how on earth to get hold of the results of a consultation. So you believe that the consultation as laid out by the government is a smokescreen. It, it won't matter what people say. They're going to press ahead with this anyway. I agree. Yes, it's, it's, they will press ahead with it anyway. Yes. You're listening to Joy Warren. Joy, Joy is the joint coordinator of the UK Freedom from Fluoride Alliance and she coordinates efforts in the West Midlands uh, against fluoridation. This is very serious. Look, listeners who are new to this, Joy, they will say, if England's chief medical officer, Chris Whitty, Sir Chris Whitty, if he thinks this is a good idea, why isn't it? Where's the evidence that fluoridation is in any way harmful? Actually, it's, it's up to them to prove that it's safe, and they they can't prove it. There's been no um, long longitudinal research doing anywhere in the world which proves that it's safe to, to swallow. And what we can prove, we can prove two very important things. Most recently, um, there are seventy-four human studies out of eighty-three which have shown an association between reduced intelligence and fluoride um, consumption. And that's when the, the unborn child is um, receives uh, fluoride through the placenta and when the infant receives fluoride through a baby formula. That's the fluoridated water added to baby formula. Then the other one is hyperthyroidism, which is almost double the amount in fluoridated West Midlands compared to non-fluoridated Greater Manchester. That was a 2014 study and the Public Health England and now OHID, that's Office for Health Improvement and Disparities, have not done anything at all to investigate this very serious allegation against fluoridation. It causes hypo, hypothyroidism. It, is, it's, it really hits families when, when the, um, the a woman is perhaps like age 55, something like that, and she comes down with hypothyroidism. She feels basically can't be able to do anything. She's so um, unhappy and, they say, puts on weight, can't sleep, is tired all the time. And it really is very bad for the whole family, especially for the grandchildren. Right, so we've got these two very important 
point. We know it causes hypo, hypothyroidism because we know it cures hyperthyroidism. And we also know that out of 83 human studies, 74 have conclusively shown an association between reduced intelligence and fluoride. Tell me this, Joy. When a study shows that, you know, that it might clearly cause hyperthyroidism and you, you juxtapose Manchester where there isn't fluoridation and the West Midlands. What happens to those studies? Why, in your opinion, isn't um, or wh- why are they not acted upon? It's the three monkeys, isn't it? See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. The Department of Health and Social Care do not want to listen to any evidence which damages the reputation of fluoridation. You can ask me why now. And I suspect it's something to do with the special relationship between the UK and America. If America still wants to fluoridate, then so too will England and UK. And so too will Ireland and Canada and New Zealand and Australia. They're all being influenced by America. And obviously money talks as well. You have to follow the money as this as well. Because obviously the, the companies which are producing this fluoridating acid um, it's making money from selling it, whereas if they neutralised it in their own country, they wouldn't make any money. They'd have to spend money to neutralise it. To dispose it. of it, right. So t- tell me about the fluoride itself then. Where does it come from? I'm guessing, now I know the answer to this, but but our, our listeners or some of them won't know. It isn't manufactured in a pharmaceutical company's lab, this fluoride. It comes from somewhere else, doesn't it? Absolutely not. It's not pharma, um, pharmacologically sound. It's not been purified, refined or anything like that. It comes from the scrubbers of fertilizer f- um, manufacturers. Um, the, the, the gases from the uh, process fly up the chimney with particulate matter and they're captured before they go into the environment with um, impure water, if you like. And then they they fall back down the chimney and are ca- collected in um, tankers. So and there's no refinement whatsoever. Once they're in the tankers, they stay in the tankers until they get to the water treatment works in England. It's industrial waste then? Yes, has a hazardous waste. You wouldn't want to put your finger in it. Definitely not. And 1.5% of it is hydrofluoric acid. Now, that's a really nasty uh, acid, and it's actually in the fluoridating acid. So um, when it's fed into the drinking water, it's still hydrofluoric acid. And if you have no background level of fluoride in the raw water, which is treated by the water treatment works, they put in one milligram of fluoride, or rather they put in 6.3 milligrams of fluoride, of a fluoridating acid which contains hydrofluoric acid. Now that's a very small amount. It comes to 0.0945 milligrams. It sounds a tiny amount, but obviously lots of atoms, and and that's really dangerous because if it gets into your stomach and you have a dicky tummy, then you're going to suffer from corrosion of the stomach lining. But obviously, if it, it it cures itself if you stop drinking the water. Right, so in, yeah. as well as hydrofluoric acid, silica and hydrogen and fluoride, you've got um, chemical parameters, and these are antimony, arsenic, cadmium, chromium, lead, mercury, 
nickel and selenium. Arsenic. And only selenium, only selenium is, is beneficial. My God, you mentioned arsenic and lead in there and mercury. Those are not good things to be ingesting. Yes, but of course the apologists will say it's a tiny, tiny amount. But of course it's accumulative in the body. So if it starts accumulating in the organs, um, then it's about after 10, 15 years, you, c- you could come down with a bladder cancer. You've over the years, Joy, you've tried to get members of parliament interested in this. And again, you go back to something you said a moment ago about see no evil, hear no evil. It's been very difficult, has it? Even with your own MPs there. Yes, indeed. Uh, even my MP at the moment is, is not uh, responding to anything I sent to her on fluoridation. Uh, it's very disappointing. Um, I think both political parties have been tied up in knots as far as this is concerned. It is an unwritten policy of the two part, main parties. Um, I can't find it in any of their manifestos. It's just something they do because they've been told to by word of mouth. Joy Warren is our guest, the Joint Coordinator of UK Freedom from Fluoride Alliance, and she coordinates the West Midlands efforts against fluoridation. And you mentioned studies. I think the very first time we spoke some years back, you've been on a couple of times before, Joy, you sent me a link to a study that was conducted in China, which clearly demonstrated a link between water fluoridation and a, how do I say this, Um, uh, lowering of IQs. Yes, yes. And as I said, now we've got 401 studies worldwide um, on animals and humans, which all, most of them um, point to a reduction in IQ. And uh, 74 out of, 80, out of 83 human studies show a reduction in IQ in when exposed to, to fluoride. Um, we're talking about in Canada, for example, where these most recent studies come from, they fluoridate at 0.7 milligrams fluoride per litre. And they've um, just detected a reduction in intelligence of about five to six IQ points. Now, in England, we fluoridate at one milligram and that's actually enacted. It's in the actual Water Industry Act, one milligram. And it, it's not going to be reduced unless somebody causes a stink. Um in in Downing Street, if you like, and that means that our intelligence, our children's intelligence, will be reduced by seven to eight IQ points. By seven to eight. Why hasn't someone in this country, six million people, are drinking and bathing in fluoridated water? Why hasn't someone taken this to court here in this country? Yeah, okay. Well, that's part of the plan we have for the next uh, year. We've got a few strategies and uh, taking legal action is definitely on the horizon. Brilliant, Joy. Because if you can demonstrate, and you clearly can, that these studies exist, you know, the guts of a hundred studies that show that this is harmful. You know, you have the hyperthyroidism in the Midlands against Manchester, which isn't uh, fluoridated. Listeners are getting in touch with me. You know the programme you're on so we, 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 we discuss things on this programme that are not discussed in most um, radio or television programmes there are those who believe it's deliberate now I know you gave your reasons earlier on you might very well be right, I don't know about us taking our lead from the United States but there are those who believe that fluoridation suits go- it suits governments and it suits agendas to keep people dumbed down and docile. When you hear those theories, what do you think when you hear people say that? Um, I know that fluoride silts up the pineal gland. 
Yeah. And that does make us less imaginative, less savvy. Less imaginative and less savvy, you said. Or sassy. Excuse me, sassy, yeah. (laughs) And, 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 you know, it could be argued that anyone who controls a group of people, whether it be a government controlling or or at least, you know, um, acting as the authority over a group of people, that it would suit them. If, you know, if you're right and my listeners are right that fluoride is harmful to development, to the development of the brain, and it does dumb down people, there are those who would say, well, they probably know that, and as a result of it, they're not likely to reverse these policies. May well be. And it's such a subtle um, effect on our bodies. Um, Somehow you just can't get through to people who are fluoridated. They just don't want to listen. They just turn off. Um, In a way, they don't know enough to be able to argue the case anyway. And that's why these consultations are going to be so awful, because people don't know enough to um, submit their views with um, academic references because that's what they're expected to do. They can't just say, I don't want to be fluoridated, full stop. They have to say, I don't want to be full, uh, fluoridated because it causes hypothyroidism and then they cite the research because it reduces our children's intelligence, cite some of the uh, research. They, could, they wouldn't be able to do 401 no. of them. <laughs> no, they and, wouldn't. Uh, you know, they have to be able to be to know what they can do and that's the problem. They, the consultations will probably be advertised in local newspapers. Well, they're not going to be giving people any hints on how to how to phrase their submission. So people are just going to say, "I don't want to be fluoridated." Full stop. Yeah, I and hear you. Be rejected because we have to be able to say um, learnedly. You have to know why you're saying it. Uh, if you have an instinct and say, "I don't want to be," uh, that won't cut anything, and you just can't. They will not listen. And that's wrong. You, you, everything you said there is correct. You, you are right to say that that's how the system works. But it's also terribly wrong. You and I have a right not to be medicated by our governments against their will, regardless yeah. of the reason. I, I don't have to be learned. I don't have to quote Joy Warren and say, listen, there's a study. I mean, it's helpful if I do, maybe. But it, it should be my human right not to have my water interfered with. Exactly. And it is a medicine. And this is the most important thing for your uh, listeners to, to get to grips with. It's not drinking water because it is not covered by the provisions of the drinking water directive, which has been retained in UK law. Therefore, if it's not drinking water, it's regarded as being a medicine. And the two exceptions to the drinking water directive are medicinal water and bottled water. If you're drinking medicinal water, you're not helped or covered by the uh, provisions of the drinking water directive if if you're hurt, made ill by any other contaminant in that medicinal liquid, no one's going to come and help you because it's not drinking water. I, that, that's that's my fact of the day. I didn't know that. No, I, <laughs> so I, I therefore, did, that's, it's a medicine. Yeah. We know that the medicines directive, uh, also retained, um, defines what a medicine is, and clearly, fluoridated water, or rather, I like to call it medicinal liquid, is clearly medicine. And then you have the Medicines Act in this country. Again, the definition of medicine and the medicinal liquid we're forced to drink actually do comply. They coincide. 
you know, if it's, it's a medicine, therefore we are allowed to refuse to have it in my drinking water because it's against our human rights and we have a right to, con to refuse our consent to drinking medicinal liquid, which we don't need. To being forced medicated. Now, yeah. you, you said at the beginning that you've lived in an area where the water has been fluoridated for 25, 30 plus years. How have you mitigated against that? I mean, when you realised how harmful and dangerous fluoride is, how does one go about coexisting with fluoridated water? What do you do? Oh, it's a very hard call. The first thing you have to do is don't have any baths because your skin's going to absorb the hydrofluoric acid or the fluoride. And then you have to try and work out the best way to filter your water, which is a distill a distiller like a big don't get a big kettle which captures captures all the steam. That's the best way to do it. But it's about fifteen pence a litre. Um, electricity bills are going up, so it may not be for everybody, and they're a hundred pounds to buy. The other one is reverse osmosis, which you have under your kitchen sink, uh, which is a very good system, but you do have to replace the filters. Then you have to um, then you have to look at everything you might be eating and drinking. Because sometimes you, you know, obviously fluoridated toothpaste is chucked out the window. I don't have it in the house. Um, any uh, fizzy drinks, any any soft drinks, any any um, home brewed cider, for example. I found one from uh, Sainsbury's which had got 0.5 milligrams of fluoride per litre because it was made from concentrate in wow. a different place to where the apples grew. You have to look at all your medicines, if you are on medication, see if there's any fluoride in there, because there normally is, in many cases, it potentiates the active substance and helps that substance to get into the cells. So you're going to have a lot of fluoride swashing around in your cells if you're on medication. Um, I think Prozac's the worst one. <laughs> Um, you, everything you look at, everything you touch or eat or, or drink, has to be. you have to think, do I really want this? Where does it come from? And sometimes you get a bit paranoid about it. But I, I got over that stage. I just go with the flow. And I certainly do not drink Indian tea. That's black tea. Um, uh, because it uh, has natural fluoride in, in the leaves. The older the leaves, the more fluoride. The younger the leaves, the more expensive, uh, the less fluoride. And that, made with fluoridated tap water, is the worst thing anyone can do. Indian tea. Wow, that's, that's incredible. And then you talk about buying fruit and veg and, you know, where, where, where that's come from, whether it's being washed. It's, it's, it's an absolute minefield. I mean, it, really it is. It's not so bad because you've got fruit, um, fresh fruit. If it's not uh, being grown in acidic soil, then the chances are there's not very much fluoride in the flesh of the fruit. You've got to watch out for the pesticides on the skin of the fruit and wash your fruit as well. But um, if only um, plants which grow in acidic soil, which are watered with fluoridated water, which take up the fluoride. Joy Warren is our guest. We've got a couple of more minutes with uh, Joy before we move on. Hugely important, Joy. So this is out now for consultation. Is it worth people's while going on the government website? I mean, you said earlier on that irrespective of what comes out of the consultation, they're looking to press ahead with this anyway. So is it worth people's time, you know, submitting to the consultation? 
because this is a primary um, precedent co consultation. It's asking us how we feel about being allowed or not allowed to submit our views to any local consultation, any local area consultation. Uh, and the, the Department of Health would prefer it if everybody only submitted to their own threatened area. Whereas my view is that, well, we've all got to be able to say something about it in any area of England, whether it's up, up say, in um, Sunderland, for example. I feel I have the right to say to the Sunderland consultation when it comes along, say, at the end of this year, that, uh, you know, you can't do this because of A, B and C. And I think that's perfectly per right, because if I do that, then I'm helping the people in Sunderland not to be fluoridated. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll be stopping the knock-on effects. I've had a, a message from Anne-Marie. It's a bit of dissent. It's good for a little bit of uh, balance. Anne-Marie is Irish. She's living in Letterkenny. And she says, Richie... They fluoridated the water in Ireland for years and yet Irish people, Irish students always rank high whenever they test students from around Europe and around the world um, in terms of aptitude, in terms of qualifications. The Irish always do well, they always come out well. And she says, I don't imagine that every single country in the world is fluoridated and Ireland is. So that kind of fl flies in the face of this idea that it dumbs people down. How how do you, you answer that? Ireland is considered to have a very good education system. Anne-Marie is right. And Irish students, um, you know, are very present in universities around Europe. And Irish graduates are very present on boards and, you know, uh, you know in various um, companies and scientific organisations around the world. So how, how, do you, how do you answer that? Okay, two points here. A lot of well water in Ireland, which is not fluoridated. And um, how do you know that those students couldn't be even more intelligent? Fair enough. You're right about the wells. You're right about that in certain parts of the country, not just exclusively rural parts, but um, urban areas as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has. I was brought up... Uh, Joy in, in a place called Ballybeg in Waterford City. And until until I left Ireland in 2003, I was drinking fluoridated water, gallons of it a week. Mm. I, I would have been. Um, some, some listeners now with, um, with, with, with cheeky mindsets will say, well, that's obvious this, listening to the programme and, and my, <laughs> my lack of understanding of most things. But, but, but you said earlier on, once you stop ingesting it or taking it, you do over time recover from it. Is that right? You do, but I'm not quite sure if the pineal gland will um, yeah. recover as fast. But I, I feel as though I'm much more with it now these days after 18, 19 years of keeping away from this toxin. <laughs> um, it's so strange. I mean, when I was fluoridated, this is anecdotal, but I've heard it uh, twice in the last three days. I had eczema on my hands when I was fluoridated, but as soon as I stopped drinking the water, the eczema disappeared. Is that right? I've heard this a guy I was talking to lived in Birmingham most of his teenager. He moved to Scotland. He had eczema on his neck, on his arms, on his chest, on his face. Um, and when, as soon as he got to Scotland, it all cleared up. Yep. 
So you have to yeah. think that if I started sing, uh, eat, um, drinking the water again, I would expect to have contracted eczema for it to come back. Again. But I didn't. You have to do. You have to do a double check, you know, sort of a go back one step and then move forward again to see whether in fact that is the correct hypothesis. But I'm, I'm, I've never had eczema on my hands. I stopped drinking. Since you stopped drinking it. Joy, where where can people listening to this find you online? Okay, we have a website which is www.uk, wait for it, FFFA, that's three F for Freddy, UK, (laughs) FFFA.org.uk. Got it here, yeah. Great. That's www.ukffa.org.uk. Brilliant. And um, I I know the website, there's an abundance of evidence on there and information. This is very, very serious. This is something you've known, haven't you? It's coming. You've known that this is coming for a long time. And now here we are. We feared it. We did fear it because of the obduracy of of all government officials. And another thing, and I'm not quite sure if you realise this, that Public Health England um, consultants who are now part of the Office of Health Improvement and Disparities, their job descriptions when it comes to fluoridation is oral health surveys and water fluoridation. They have to uphold those two um, items or issues. And if they don't, they don't get promoted. They're probably moved sideways. Now, if you want to progress in your career as a civil servant, as a public health consultant, for example, you've got to follow your job description. Right? You, if you don't do that, if you dig your heels in and say, I don't want to do anything like that, then you don't get promoted and you're moved sideways. It's www.ukffa.org.uk. Joy, we'll be picking this up again real soon as this progresses. Thanks for your time today. It's hugely important and I appreciate you for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Richie. Uh, That was Joy Warren, folks. Joy is uh, the Joint Coordinator of the UK Freedom from Fluoride Alliance, even, and uh, coordinates the West Midlands efforts against fluoridation. And that's UK, Foxtrot, 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 I can't even say it, you see, it's first day back properly, UKFFFA.org.uk. Uh, Joy Warren. The time is exactly a minute past six. You're listening to Tuesday's Richie Allen Show with me, Richie Allen. Here's a tune from the Frank and Walters. A Cork band from County Cork. This is called After All. Reading your comments when I come back, Mariam Henain will be with me as well. Busy old show today. The Frank and Walters, after all, on the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live from Salford, BBG Towers, this Tuesday, April 19th. It's good to be with you, so it is. Lots more to come on the programme. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support the Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. And thanks for the comments have come in. Joan in Toronto, how you doing? Joan says, I started filtering my water last year. Then I got eczema. I have a top-of-the-line water filtering system, says Joan. Go figure. Yeah. I've known over the years a number of people who've suffered from eczema. Irish people, I wonder, is or was the fluoridation. 
a factor in that. Richard says, I'm on a well and I'm the only one that drinks from it. The rest trust the bottled water. Plastic bottles at that, says Richard. Marcus says, well, Richie, not as bad as coffee, cigarettes or alcohol or drugs, but I love my spring water. Came across a number of springs, of course, in Ambleside, up in the hills above Windermere, as we walked around with the canines last week. The dogs seemed to appreciate it. The natural water. Cookie says, off subject. Oh, that's another thing for another day. Thanks for that. I'll check it out later. Monk says, you can manufacture your own toothpaste out of coconut oil, baking powder, and peppermint oil. I do believe there are all kinds of carcinogens in popular toothpastes. Is that right? I didn't know that. Again, you'll say, you're naive, Baldy. Baldy, you naive bastard. Listen, you could fill libraries with the things I don't know. I've known about fluoride, the pineal gland, the dumbing down of people, but um, carcinogens in the toothpaste, that is new to me. Paul says, have they increased fluoride across the UK during lockdowns? If so, has anyone looked to see if anything else has been added? Okay, and he references, does Paul, a documentary by someone called Dr. Brian Ardis. Watch the water is the name of the documentary. So check it out. Presumably it's available on BitChute and maybe even YouTube. Uh, Thanks for all of your messages and the information. Tracy, I didn't see your message. Tracy asks, which water would Joy recommend drinking, please? Um, Distilled water. She mentioned distilling it. There's an expense, of course, associated with that these days. Um, Faisal asks, is there anything that can filter the fluoride out of drinking water? Distilling supposedly does it. Does it? Help me out here. These are... It's not new to me. I understand distilling water is a good thing to do. Whether you can filter it out, I don't know. I asked Joy what has she been doing to mitigate living in a place, in an area where the water is fluoridated. And she gave me her answer. She says it isn't bloody easy. As Steve came on to say, I live in Lincoln, which is fluoride in the water. Uh, Since your previous show talking about this topic, we were prompted to invest in a water distiller which which gives pure, clean water. We see the residue left over from our distilling and it is appalling to think this is in our drinking water, says Steve. We can distill around four litres per day and it takes about four hours. It tastes different in that it now has no taste and by comparison to tap water, it can seem quite flat. But it is wonderful to know we can now drink water safely, says Steve there. Thank you, Steve. Diane says fluoridation does lower intelligence. Governments love to have a low intelligence people and makes them more easy to control. Thanks so much for that, uh, Diane. Martin drinks uh, natural water only. I mean, if you dig deep enough into the ground, if you own your own property, I mean, if you rent a property, it's not so easy to go digging down into the ground uh, to, you know, to find a well. You can be obviously get into trouble for doing that if you don't own the property. But um, dig down deep enough, not even that deep, wherever you happen to be, and you'll hit water eventually. I wonder would certain companies then come after you to demand that you cease 
drawing the water from the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anto asks Richie if we are all fluoridated. Does that mean the criminals doing this um, are fluoridated as well? That's a good question, Anto. My guess would be, and it's only my guess, is that politicians are low level. You know, when it comes to the power pyramid, if you can imagine the global power structure in the form of a pyramid, I think David Icke has done this many times over the years, politicians don't know very much. And politicians are not in control of anything. They are messengers, messenger boys and messenger girls. They deliver the agenda, but they don't write it. They are not the authors of the agenda. They deliver it. How much do they know? I would say not very much. And um, I think it would be dangerous to make the assumption that uh, they're in on everything and that they would, you know, take measures to to avoid drinking fluoridated water themselves. I'm pretty sure the MPs who live in the areas like Crewe and Newcastle, where the water is fluoridated, they're bathing in it and they're drinking in it. They're not important, you see, these people. It's ten and a half minutes past the hour. Shall we get Mariam back on the programme? I think we should. Mariam Henain is a film director and a broadcast journalist. She's been a, a pal of mine for some years now and has been coming on this programme, uh, well, for more years than maybe she cares to remember. I reached out to Marianne uh, yesterday and asked her to come back on the programme. She's been doing some brilliant work for um, the the uh, Sherry Tenpenny report. Now, you know who Dr Sherry Tenpenny is. She's been a guest on this programme many times. A terrific lady. And uh, Marianne has been writing some brilliant articles uh, about understanding what the COVID jabs really are, what they're doing to the bodies of those people who've gone and submitted themselves for a COVID jab, but also what might be possible to do to um, to mitigate against that, to fight against it. She's also been writing about transhumanism, which is very prescient. It's very important. We talk about those subjects now. Let's welcome back to the programme, as I said, the filmmaker, uh, the genius that is our friend, Mariam Henain. Welcome back, Mariam. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here, Richie. Thank you. Can you hear me well? Loud and clear. You always sound great. You've got a great microphone there. Just before we talk about your articles, which are very, very well written and very interesting, we've been talking in the last hour about water fluoridation. Uh, Would you believe uh, the UK government uh, has set out a consultation whereby it wants to, uh, it effectively wants to fluoridate the entire water supply of the UK. Now, that won't surprise you. Um, And you will have your opinion on fluoride and why fluoride is dangerous. Yes, I did an in-depth feature on water in the United States of America and interviewed Aaron Brockovich. I offer um, Aaron Brockovich endorsed filter and I have written about fluoride, although it was a while ago, the um, psyop of fluoride, um, why you should eliminate this toxic 
contaminant. Uh, it was back in 2017, and I outlined how the fluoride came to enter the water supply and that high levels of waterborne fluoride cause, in fact, discoloration of tooth enamel. But it was pretty much a, a psyop, and it was sold to fight tooth decay. And actually, Grand Rapids in 1945 became the first city in the world to fluoridate its drinking water at quote-unquote safe levels. But, but it is a psyop. I am getting water where I live now, a water company to deliver because um, I don't want to go anywhere near the tap water. And um, the woman who was signing me up basically said she had a couple that had a newborn and asked for fluoridated water. And she wow. had to educate them and say, uh, no, you don't want to be giving your newborn uh, flor fluoride. What is the reason in the UK that they're selling this? The usual, um, tooth decay. We need to fight tooth decay. And, you know, they're they're talking about, obviously, things have been difficult for the last two years. I don't know if it's similar where you are, Marianne, but uh, trying to get to see a dentist is very mm. difficult now because you've got waiting lists for several months. And this is just for basic treatment. That's if you don't have private um, right. you, you know, dental care insurance and and whatnot. So yeah, they're they're saying tooth decay, and they're looking to give the minister for health, that's the health secretary, exclusive control over fluoridation schemes. Previously, this was in the hands of local authorities, but they're wow. going to centralise it now and give the the health secretary. But look, we could talk about that another day. I've just spent yeah, an hour yeah. talking about it. I don't want to be wasting okay, your time okay. on that because the the work you've been doing on. The COVID jabs, do you know it's brilliant work? And, and yet I read it, and I'm 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 so depressed. And I'll tell you why I'm so depressed, yes. because I run past a a jabatoire, a COVID jabbing centre. I run past one of those every day. And recently, Marianne, the car parks mm -hmm. have been full again with people because they've introduced these new variants, Omicron, yes. BA1 and BA2. Now they're saying they found a Frankenstein variant, a third coronavirus variant, which is more transmissible. And it seems every time they come out with this horse shit, excuse my language, the Jabatoire <laughs> car park fills up. And, uh, and, 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 and you've laid out perfectly over two articles that these yeah. are not vaccines. These are no. dangerous gene-altering therapies which will have lifelong consequences for the people who are injected with them. Yes. So I was asked as a functional medicine consultant and coach through the Institute of Functional Medicine and journalist to uh, forestop mind control, Dave Sorensen, to put together protocols. Now, I'm not a doctor, and I went about and I thought to myself, well, I can't offer solutions if I personally don't understand the problem. And he did not ask me to do this, which is why in part it ended up on Dr. Sher Sherry Tenpenny's Tenpenny Report. Um, and I ended up writing a six-part piece, understanding the mechanisms of the experimental genetic technology referred to as COVID-19. And there are in fact three parts. 
that are out. And there's three others that are in the wings because I wanted a scientist, a doctor to vet my work because I am not a scientist. I'm just an intelligent person that to write that um, took many, many months to properly understand. We're also in uncharted territory. There's things that are coming to light, like Watch the Water documentary, for instance, and Dr. Brian Artis's input on the snake venom. So things are changing. And every single day we're, we're in uncharted territory, as I've said. But I wanted to understand, well, how do the fake lipids work in the body? How does the mRNA work in the body? What is the spike protein yeah. doing in the body? So then I can then offer solutions that make sense. But every human being is different. Clearly, the world does not in large part understand real health the the immune system. I mean, just as a little tangent to answer your question, there is a backup of doctors. I am in a new state, so I wanted to run blood tests and I use Western medicine to just run the tests and then I go somewhere else to have them read. But when I walked into the doctor's office, the assistant was not only behind a face diaper, but she had M&Ms and Coca-Cola on her desk. Really? <laughs> really? 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 Uh, yeah. So so this is the level of retardation that we're dealing with. I, I apologize to use that word, but things that's the word means backwards. So when you walk in and it's like an overweight, masked individual drinking pop and <laughs> eating sugar, you know, but yeah, you're going to tell me what health is. No, thank you, lady. Um, it's all backwards. There's an obesity epidemic and it's not natural. We're normalizing, um, obesity. And I, I personally, you know, I was made fun of when I was young. I was, um, called tub of lard and fatso and pushed on the ice. I was chubby. I didn't know. Oops. And, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Loud and clear. You might've just momentarily <laughs> silenced Sorry, yourself. Yes. So, so. It's a backwards universe and we're, it's really scary. It's, it's really scary. How are we going to get out of this quagmire? Like you said, these new sub variants, you know, here in the United States, they announced it's quite uh, remarkable to remove the face diapers off of airplanes. Um, is that going to be short lived um, until they, they unleash a real virus? Yeah. Uh, who who knows what they have this in is the, um, I just don't trust it. Me neither. This is the Florida federal judge. It's a woman. Yes. And to her yes. credit, she struck down this yes. Biden mandate. And she said, no, it's 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 not um it, it's it's not lawful. It's not reasonable in light of what's happening. Therefore, no masks. Uh, the Biden administration isn't happy about that. But, but understandably, but that's where it is at the moment. But you ask a great question. You know, people celebrate that until they're told that there's a new deadly variant out there and that it's killing people. And then at that point, they might beg for the reintroduction of mask mandates. And this right. is the problem. And, and the thing is, Richie, these gain of function for these virus hunters have been descending on other countries and this is absolutely nothing new as i was unpacking and and i've been covering medical freedom and vaccine safety since 2012 and i pulled a book the first book i 
I opened the box is called Biohazard Bio, and it's by Ken Ali Back, and it's the chilling true story of the largest covert biological weapons program in the world, which was in the in the Soviet Union. And this man who writes the book, his job was to formulate certain bacteria, certain bioweapons that could be outfitted at the top of missiles to send in the United States. So if they, my point is, if they want, they surely can unleash something that is real. Like they've been weaponizing anthrax for a very long time. You, the book you refer to, I think came out in the mid to late 1990s. That is that book about the biological labs in Russia, because I read a similar book. Maybe it was that book around about that time. And it blew. 1999. Yeah, I knew that. It's definitely the same book then. Uh, in fact, a friend of mine I worked in a bar with gave me the book after he'd read it. That's right. And right. I, I, can, can we stay with this then? With what? Yes. What, what is? What, what? What are the jabs? And no better person than you. You know, as a documentary maker, you're you, you've got a great skill set. One of your skills is to be able to um, to use your term to unpack a lot of information to understand it, to assimilate it, but then to explain it to people in words that they can understand. And by people, I mean dumb old me. That's, that, that's what I love about speaking with you. What, what do we know now in, in, in April? We're into the last couple of weeks of April 2022. What yeah. do we know now about the mRNA technology in the COVID jabs and what it means for our bodies, what it is doing to the bodies of those people who have it. What would you say now we know for a fact? Well, we know, for instance, if we're looking at the spike protein, that it inhibits the repair of damaged DNA, that it replicates, there's, you know, the courts are out as to how long, but more time than we anticipated that it continues to replicate and that it seems that the spike protein impedes the adaptive immunity and underscores the potential side effects of a full-length spike-based vaccines, that they wane. We, we know for certain, which is why this is such a joke, that it doesn't, if you get a jab, it does not help spread uh, infection, meaning you could still give it to someone, uh, someone else might catch it. Uh, I personally have been a victim of shedding, which is very you know, hard to, it's not tangible, right? It sounds sci-fi that I've been on numerous occasions near a jabbed person. And in me personally, what happens is I get a very wicked headache that lasts four, five, six days. And I am not someone who suffers from headaches. And I can point it to be like, oh, I was getting massaged by this person. He's vaccinated. We're in a closed room. And then I have this headache. Every person is is different. And now if they're requesting for you to get your third, fourth booster, we're saying that there's, there's full-blown VADES uh, going on. And that, for instance, in the UK, I'm sure you know that I think it was last week that they released um, Pfizer was forced to release papers showing that it knew about ADE and, and anti-dependent enhanced, sorry, antibody, um, antibody dependent, dependent, yeah. dependent 
dependent enhancement that they they knew and yet they still released it uh, so I, I mean i i would suggest someone go to vaxter.com and look at the the three it's it's very scientific right it's very detailed for me to explain all the different aspects of why these jabs i say they're jabs from hell but you know, just to talk about ADE for a moment, it refers to a mechanism in which basically the antibodies are unable to neutralize a virus. Instead of seeing it as a danger, the body starts attacking itself. And it's kind of like an autoimmune response where the body's going um, haywire. And I know when I was told that I have lupus, oh, your body's attacking itself. There's nothing you can do. Bye here's some drugs, go home, which I said, F you, I'm not taking your drugs and I'm going to um, reverse the situation. In, in my situation, I was exposed to chemicals just like the honeybees. Ironically, I had chemical body burden. And one of the ways in which I reversed lupus was uh, detoxing. And, and these protocols that I've put together are essentially to to detox and these are things that you should have been doing with or without a jab and you should definitely be working i believe with a functional medicine doctor practitioner and functional medicine means that we are looking at the root cause so if i sit down with someone i would look at even i would ask you were you vaginally born were you breastfed we're going to do a timeline and we're going to look at the different assaults on your body. For instance, did you grow up, I did, gobbling antibiotics, whereas today I'm allergic to all antibiotics. I, 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 would, I almost died actually just last year from Steven Johnson syndrome because my body reacted. Um, so every human is different. Unfortunately, food is thy medicine or food is thy foe, and it's the easiest but yet seems to be the hardest thing for people to adjust. And they may think that they're eating healthy, but everything starts with inflammation. And most people are leading or eating inflammatory foods. And so the base, they're not healthy to begin with. And, and so then you might get a jab, you might get the saline, and it might be the, the booster number three or four, that will basically dismantle your innate immune system. And so I stand for optimizing our biology, not eradicating the immune system. Even the notion, the actual notion of an immune system is being eradicated. This is hugely important because you, through your articles on Vaxter.com um, for the Tenpenny Report, I think you've really nailed what these jobs are doing to people. Yeah. They're yeah. replacing the immune system they're well they're eliminating it effectively they're eliminating the toll receptors that's right yeah and, and uh, so i quote um, obviously dr tenpenny dr tia collar um, vetted vetted this and i have contributions from dr carrie Miday, uh, robert dr malone and and others chiming in on uh, the conversation, but these types of quote unquote vaccines, this modified 
RNA, as we know by now, has been tried in the past on animals with terrible results. And the virus, basically the body ends up attacking itself. They've been trying to devise to create a, a vaccine against the coronavirus for, I believe, 40 years without any success. And they knew uh, the dangers but we are the lab rats today. And that kind of bleeds into this transhumanism that I've been covering because I've been keeping my eye out on Charles Lieber. He started out being accused of espionage. And now that nobody's looking, he's actually trying to get the entire case acquitted. And he would walk a free man when he is responsible. I call him the nanotech king because he is the pioneering force and he's created 66 plus patents, which include cyborg heart tissue. Because as Kurzweil says, in by 202030, we are going to be hybrids. And there are people like Uval Noah Harari, who wrote Sapiens and was allotted by Obama, who are now what leading spokespeople saying that we are hackable animals. Hackable that, animals. So yeah. so let's stay with this. So yeah. on so on one level, the COVID scam. Now by scam, I don't I don't say I don't believe that the virus itself doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Although many of my listeners they don't believe the virus itself exists. They believe the virus is 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 fake. And I respect their viewpoints on that. I, I see it differently. But anyway, yeah. so so the scam for me was the idea of a pandemic. So if COVID-19 yeah. is real, it's a fairly harmless, fairly mild infection for most people. Right. Um, th- the idea that there was a pandemic, that was where the scam lay. And you yeah. believe, Mariam, that... Yeah that it it it's somehow the the whole covid two years that this is somehow part of a plan to condition people yes. to look at medicine in an entirely different way so that they might be prepared to accept vaccines for everything in the future but the vaccines will be different they won't just be mrna vaccines they will also be vaccines containing and i think by that time they'll probably admit it nanotechnology you know the little robots they talk about that will go into the body and and and, you know clean up the arteries or or fix your heart or whatever so so the covid thing might have been about conditioning people to accept a brand new way of doing medicine well, I believe that I, I believe that it's part of a, a a lockstep plan to that that it might really be about transhumanism, about controlling us like cattle. Just to say, having covered vaccines for a long time, that when this first hit and I saw what was happening in Wuhan. And this is what they killed me over on Twitter. What I surmised was that there was something in the vaccine or something environmental that the word that came to me was parlaying, which does mean communicate with the Internet of Things. And Wuhan was a test city for 5G, but more so in one of the articles I've written, I cite this study out of Italy in 2017, they looked at several of the um, the most uh, popular or used vaccines. And they found that 
they were littered with nanotech contaminants. So as early as 2017, we suspect that they put them in the flu shot. The nanotech is in the um, some of the vaccines, but of course it's been difficult to I, to look under the microscope. It's difficult there is to prove saline. It. Yeah. yeah, it's difficult to the, prove it. But didn't we see you? You'll know exactly what I'm talking about now. I'm struggling myself, but weren't, yeah. weren't there? Wasn't there a claim made last year by someone that the that the jabbed people were giving off a signal mm. that could be read. Do, do, do I remember that yes, correctly? Yes, there was out of um, out of Spain. Yeah. Um, there was a lab. There's a lot of videos that have surfaced on the magnetic properties. The magnetic but if you look, yeah. if you look at um, some of these patents, which involve. Lieber, it's called the Internet of Bodies, the nanotech of things. And there's no secret that anything that they can connect us to, they will. In 2018, they launched under Trump the 5G fast plan. And so as people were locking down, they were putting up these um, these 5G towers and we know that Pfizer CEO Bor Albert Borla he described the first ever FDA approved electronic pill which will he says invite people into he uses the word compliance, compliance. by sending a signal to your doctor that you've indeed swallowed your medication now meanwhile Uval Noah Harari who doesn't believe in God Oops, who doesn't believe in God and who believes that the, the Declaration of Independence is a myth, he talks about under-the-skin surveillance. They will be able to say, oh, you're, you're going to be gay. You're about to have a heart attack. You're gonna, you have the coronavirus. You can see the uh, first-ever socially distanced film that was um, recorded. It was shot in in 2020 by Michael Bay, Songbird 2023, I believe it's called. And you have your smart meter and um, it tells you whether you can go outside or not. So I do think they're training the people. I'm curious to see how many people will continue to wear their face diapers on the plane because they've been traumatized forever and we know the way to control people is fear. via fear. Yeah, I agree with you, by the way. All roads, in my opinion, and it's because of, you know, reading about this for many years from, from, from many different sources, I believe that all roads do lead to transhumanism, to completely yes. change. I think you're right. And I, I think the next step of that is this, um, what they're calling what they're calling, no, they've, they've used the term preventative medicine for many years, but they want yeah. to move into a new era of, it sounds wonderful, it sounds very benevolent. They're saying, yeah. let's move away from treatment, let's move into prevention. But of course, prevention means taking lots and lots of jabs for lots of different right. things. That's right. 
Well, listen, Richie, they, the FDA, FTC, DOJ came after me for using the word prevention yeah. in connection with, with the Rona when what am I selling? It's not like, oh, look, quick, let's start selling this and making money. I've been selling silver, vitamin C, magnesium. So who determines what's preventative? And also in regards to, to this transhumanist agenda, they have been testing on monkeys, Elon Musk's Neuralink. There's been, I've written about the at least 15 McKay monkeys who have died. They're also testing on pigs. And then after writing the article, uh, approached by humans saying, I have stuff in my brain and please get it out of me. I'm not going to write them off as crazy. And then when I look to see, it's not just Neuralink. For instance, there's another device called Utah Array. And guess who makes that? It, it's uh, BlackRock. It's and... BlackRock, yeah. This <laughs> this very sinister, shadowy um, uh, a company, this contracting company, which has its fingerprints all over Iraq and, and Afghanistan. A horrible. Uh, tell, me, tell, tell me this. Ultimately, yeah. the neural um, chip, this, this neural interface, neural it's yeah. the Neuralink. You believe, and I, I think there's evidence to support your theory, you believe that when this evolves eventually, it's about downloading our consciousness to a machine. Is that right? They want to, yes. Uh, there was Code Conference 2016, so that's quite a while ago. Musk stated publicly that given the current rate of artificial intelligence advancements, that it was positioned also as we need the Neuralink because humans could ultimately expect to be left behind cognitively and intellectually by a lot. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, you want to keep up? You need you need this to help keep up with the AI because the AI will be in charge. And already a simple thing, let's say like Telegram, people think there's no censorship. I've been saying there's censorship there. I was creating, I was organizing a prison protest. I went to forward something on on Telegram and it said that I'm in prison. Oh, please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just a bot. That was, it was a bot delivering it. It was a bot delivering it. We, we've got yeah. Mariam Hanane on the program. I'm looking at the clock. Look how quick time goes when we <laughs> chat. It's already 21 minutes to the top of the hour. We've got about 15, 16 minutes left here. And I want to talk about this. Um, yes. I never, ever make my programs about me because I'm not important. But it's important for me to say this. I'm agnostic when it comes to religion and to spirituality. I'm agnostic. Um, I don't know. I'm not a practicing anything, but I'm open-minded. But I'm beginning to believe, Marianne, that yeah. these people certainly believe in, um, in a source of, of, of power or they believe in good and evil. And, and you know what I'm beginning to think? When yeah. they talk about downloading people's consciousness or uploading it to, to, to some place, to some computer. I think they really mean souls. They're trying to capture people's souls. They say consciousness and they say it's got to be done to keep up with the inevitable, you know, artificial intelligence, the inevitable advancement of that. And of course, the singularity, which everybody's scared of. But I think what this is code speak. I think they mean souls. Am I wrong? 
Well, I, I do they do they believe yeah. in in souls? But but Uval on his website says history began when humans invented um, gods and will end when humans become gods. Yeah. And so that's the the gist of it that they are atheist. Now, you know, we talk a lot about evil um versus versus god versus good, but let's say we eat or whoever out there eats animals. So why are we arrogant to think there's not beings out there that eat us? That use that look to us as hackable animals, just like Uval Harari says. I mean, it's it's too, so. I'm saying we attach evil, good to it, but it's clear that we are useless eaters to these global elitists, and I think it's evil. But just to be aware that we're the ones who are attaching that. Are we evil beings if we eat a steak? I'm just again um, playing devil's advocate. No, you're brilliant. You are brilliant to bring that up. And there are listeners. Yeah. I, I've got many vegan listeners. I know I have because I hear from them, and yeah. they they tolerate me even though I'm not a <laughs> vegan. And I like you know I like Neither that. Neither am I. Yeah, and um, you know, and they put that to me all the time. They say, Richie, you know, you express outrage about man's yeah. inhumanity to man, but 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 um, animals are are right. spiritual beings they're beings of light and life and yet you happily buy um, a dead animal in, in a supermarket or somewhere yeah. else and consume it and they say to me you're a hypocrite for, for for expressing your outrage elsewhere but no I got what you said about this yeah. guy Harari and I understand what you're saying about them being atheists but on some other level I I, I think some, some of these people they they do I don't know if they worship something else, but they they seem to believe in something, in some consciousness that's that's more advanced or that's been around a lot lot longer than than maybe we have. I don't want to call them Satan worshippers because that's just too black and white. It's probably a lot more complicated than that. But there is a well, darkness yes, to these people. There is- there is a darkness, there's an arrogance, and yeah. I've been reading um, for my book and documentary on George Floyd, which is a completely different topic, but I have been looking into Freemasons, and I've been looking at the Hermetic Laws, which is as above, so below, and they do have rituals, and they do practice arguably magic and cast spells. We know that pharmacia means sorcery in Greek. And we know that people are under a spell. There is the blank slate theory that humans can be programmed. And from a psychological point of view, people have been studying this for a long time. I mean, it's been clear to all of us that people are brothers and sisters, arguably, are subject to being brainwashed and not thinking for themselves. Um, clearly listening to the programming. And yes, I would think it is verging on evil. It's not benevolent and it's tied into a certain arrogance. But clearly, Uval, they want to play God. That That is, that is part of the mission. And so it, he's actually saying that there's a useless class 
And he's actually saying that we are sheeple. And I mean, would you would you argue with him after seeing the uh, the the enormous amount of people who've just the signed up? Yeah, the yeah. compliance. Uh, I I I wouldn't argue with him, and I agree with yeah. you. And I'm not trying to curry favor with anybody, but every time I feel like throttling some goon who passes me on the street wearing a mask, just as I'm about to reach out, Marianne, with my long fingers to commit murder, I stop and I remind myself that as recently as 2003, 2004, I would have fallen for this. You know, I, yeah. I was lucky enough to have a moment where I was able to get a glimpse beyond the curtain. But if I didn't, I'm the journalist who went on, you know, commercial radio and told people that Osama bin Laden pulled off 9-11 from a cave in the Tora Bora Hills. I did the bad <laughs> stuff because I believed it, you see. Yeah. So when I look at the sheep, as we call them, I, yeah. I, I, I retain enough humility to say to myself, Richie, it could have been you. It, it could so easily have been you cycling with a mask on, you know, pushing people away. Don't get too close. Don't give me the Rona. Um, I was lucky, I think. I don't think I'm intelligent. I think I was bloody lucky. But I share your frustration. And can, well, I, ask, can I ask you this on that? Yeah. Do you see this agenda? Like I, I, I saw British Breakfast Television today talking about the metaverse. I am not a pessimistic person at all, even though I'm going to sound pessimistic now. I think... This is inevitable, I think. Mm-hmm. It's going I don't to happen. Think it's pessimistic. It's happening. Yeah. It, it's in the process of happening. There's another world that's being created. And, you know, you speak about, I mean, if I, if this was benevolent, I went to a life extension conference several years pre-Rona. I am a biohacker. I am about optimizing. If someone's like, and I love knowledge, and I, if I could just touch something and download a book, if I could be smarter, I mean, I would entertain these transhumanist tools. It's that it's being conducted in a wicked, nefarious way. Are they when 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 uh, they're looking already for a clinical director for their first ever clinical trials on humans neuralink is do i think the people who have approached me or the nonprofit that exposed neuralink and their you know i call it musk's monkey massacre do i think that they're testing on humans already Hell yeah. They must be. I do. They must be. I I, I do. There's going to be a learning curve. And I also would argue that a lot of people will sign up and be, I want to be a Musk uh, um, test. Please, I can say, uh, you know, Neuralink tested on me. And there's going to be a lot of damage before they get it right. Hey, Mariam, in a few weeks' time, Apple will release a new iPhone and... They will queue with sleeping bags outside the store for three or four nights, these Muppets. I, again, <laughs> I, I've got to have a little bit of humility, but I can't understand it. They will queue, they will have sleeping bags, they will go on Twitter and rejoice that they got the latest phone. It is that type of character who will volunteer. But you, you made a brilliant point a moment ago. I believe they are testing on people. Yes. And we know where the bastards do it. 
They do it in third world countries where people have next to nothing and they pay them a pittance to do it. That's where it'll be going on covertly. But I agree with you. You're you're, you're absolutely right. There was one person that I was emailing with. He had a brain uh, trauma and he went in because they wanted to look at him because when he woke up from the concussion, his eyesight was 20% better. And so they were in wonderment and he states claims that they put him under, he was taking Adderall, which, you know, you're, you're, that's an amphetamine. It's a, it, and they were able, he said he had amnesia. He, he did, did a spinal tap and they messed with him and nobody would give him the time of day, but that's an example of, they did something without his permission Yes, they definitely use other third world countries, but I would argue that we are all lab rats. I believe that that's why they recirculated Black Lives Matter, because they know the number one vaccine hesitants are black lives and that they don't matter. So they invert the script and they do a big to do. I would bet my life that that was the Black Lives Matter was tied into them being the number one vaccine hesitants because they know of the Tuskegee experiment. And you've been doing a lot of work on that. I'm looking at the clock. We've only got about four minutes yes. left. MariamHenane.com, filmmaker, brilliant filmmaker, a journalist, writer and a functional medicine uh, expert. She's honest enough. She says she's not a doctor. <laughs> let, 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 let me tell you this. Um, I mean, you'll probably know this. This made me laugh, but it also made me cry today. Uh, Pfizer has an app. You know this, don't you? It's got a smartphone app which will tell you you have COVID if you cough into your phone. It, well, I didn't know about that specific one, but surely I'm aware of the different apps that yeah. track and trace you. Well, this one is even worse now. They They've used... They've got a database of 6,000 coughs and an artificial intelligence program, this is Pfizer's claim, an artificial intelligence program can differentiate between the coughs. So if I cough into a phone and I have a trace of COVID-19 in my system, the phone will tell me you've got COVID. But if you, Mariam, if you've just got a little bit of an ear, uh, nose and throat infection, if you cough into it, it'll tell you, you are negative. There's there's also a similar app being being produced by Cambridge University. This is the lunatic asylum yes, of a world so they are making it's, for us. It's mental, isn't it? Like that people will think about going to work. I, I'm not feeling well now. Maybe I shouldn't go to work and put my colleagues at risk. I know I'll cough at my phone and my phone will tell me if I if I can get into the car and drive to work or if I should go back to bed. This is... I, I have to say this, Mar- I never saw this coming. I never, ever, ever imagined I'd ever be talking about this stuff on the radio. Well, this Songbird 2023, the Michael Bay film, is exactly, there's an app that will scan your iris and tell you whether you're suffering from the Rona. And meanwhile, we have a virome. We have, there's tons of viruses. It's, it's not... You know, if you even believe in the terrain versus germ theory. But again, this is turning health on its head. Is MariamHenane.com the best place for people to go and find out more about you, my friend? I would love, if it's okay, well, people to buzz on over to HoneyColony.com. 
This was uh, my company that I built from scratch. It was a million dollar company. Now, because of the attacks, people can use B Lady, B E E Lady. So, and they can also reach out to me if I can give my email. Absolutely, go right ahead. If if people want to work with me, I'm at Mariam M A R Y A M as in Mary at honeycolony.com, and also. I am putting together a project and they can um, on George Floyd. I have never, ever before seen footage on this planet, never before seen. And uh, it will be for my documentary. They can go to givesendgo.com forward slash Mariam Hinein. I would really love any support. I am a real journalist, not a prestitute, not a parrot. You're a real a journalist. Friend. And if the only thing you had ever done in your life was made vanishing mm-hmm. of the bees, well, that would be an amazing legacy. Uh, but you've done a lot more s- since then. Uh, folks, you need to see that too, because that's very relevant and important and prescient right now. Mariam, until next time, thanks so much for your time today. Love Thank having you. you on. You're an angel. Thank you. Thank you, Richie. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. And bye for now. The great Mariam Henain, live on the line from the USA, from the east coast of the USA. In fact, it's six and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Thanks for all the comments that came in there, by the way. If I've got a quick minute, and I think I do, I can read a few of them out. Tuesday's programme. Bruce says, I believe you are right, Richie, for once, but the soul is the key. This reality is ending. Uh, I believe a split is happening. Some will go one way, some another. Either way, no one gets off this rock alive, uh, says Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, Red Green says, haha, puts a whole new meaning to the old cough and drop. Yeah. I had to double take. I mean, when I first read about the development of the app, which was a few weeks ago, I had to do a double take. And then uh, the accusations fly. But Richie, were you listening to Jim Mars 10, 11, 12 years ago? Were you? Were you listening to David Icke? Were you listening to Jordan Maxwell? I was. But just because those men were compelling in the arguments they were making. It doesn't mean that I took everything on board. You know, a part of me over the years was like, this shit can't really happen. (laughs) And now it's happening. You know, I, I, I did as much as I could in terms of, as a journalist, you just give a platform to, to, to opinions and to, to authors. That's about it. What more can you do really? And then you kind of pray, don't you? Well, this can't come to pass. But she's right. This is happening around us now. Cookie says, Mariam is great. Why don't people think about things like this? We are meat. And when the food runs out, I will look like a great feast on the spit roast, says Cookie. And Busy says, you should have a look at a film from 1984 uh, called Threads. It's pretty feckin' scary, says Busy. I've not come across that. But uh, I bet you, my pal Hayden Hewitt, who is a horror enthusiast, I bet you he'll have seen it. Uh, Paul says, Richie, I'd love to hear from Rima, Labo, Dean Henderson or Dolores Cahill, Cahill, we say back home, as they told the truth two years ago. Well, Rima and Dean have been on this programme recently, Paul. I don't know where you've been. And uh, Dolores will, I hope, will be back on the programme again 
uh, in the near future. I have a lot of time for uh, Dolores. Tracy says, I think Neuralink is trying to work out how humans connect to the information field. AI can do everything except be creative and come up with ideas. Neuralink will eventually figure this out, I believe, I believe even says Tracy. That's pretty much it for the show today. That's it. It is it. Uh, it's great to be back with you. Thank you to my guests, to Joy Warren, uh, for coming on to talk about the hugely important subject of water fluoridation. Go to ukffa.org.uk. That's uniform, kilo, foxtrot, 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 alpha.org.uk, ukffa.org.uk. Check out uh, Joy Warren there and fluoridation. And thanks again to Mariam Henane, great to have her back on the show. You and I will speak tomorrow, won't we? Hey, by the way, uh, Garrodo Colmon will be on the programme tomorrow. He's an Irishman based in Paris, and I happen to think he's a brilliant journalist, and he's a great speaker as well. He will be among the guests tomorrow, so uh, check him out. I'll be back with you at five o'clock. That's Wednesday's programme. I'm off to watch some foosball now. That shower of shite called Manchester United, and my team is in Liverpool. May God have mercy on us. I'll be watching a bit of that and preparing tomorrow's programme. Thanks for being with me. Take care of yourselves and one another. Bye.